It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. Good afternoon, KPFK listeners, and to those of you listening to our show on the web. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2011. I'm Sarah Harris. On today's Here in the City, we take a trip down into the Tohunga Wash to experience the restoration of a collaborative mural depicting California state history. The work at hand really was to try and heal the river. And what better way, if you can disappear the river, how much easier is it to disappear the stories of the people? And we sit in on the screening of experimental film animation shorts by Jody Mack, whose light critique of capitalism we previewed on last week's Here in the City. Saturday is Rake not the leaves, all trim the heads. but time to groom Can we just we go stay? back to bed, please? Work outside I with wanna. the flora and fauna. Also on last week's show... We talked to Chief Cop on the Bicycle Beat, Sergeant David Krumer, about what cyclists and drivers need to know when sharing the road. We asked you, dear listeners, to call in with your own thoughts and experiences in that realm. People reminded us, a few of you at least, that there are other travelers on the road who are neither motorists nor cyclists who also have rights. Yes, this is Bill Zook in Highland Park. I use a wheelchair, and I am sometimes forced because of the lack of sidewalk or broken sidewalks to use the street, much like a bicyclist. People who use wheelchairs often have to do that, and it is also very dangerous for them to deal with the traffic. Uh, There have been people in motorized wheelchairs who have been hit by cars because of that. So it is also dangerous for people in wheelchairs. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is David Ewing. I'm sorry, I'm not calling with a memorable story. I just called to make a point in response to the police spokesman on the the bicycle law, um, which is I ride a bicycle, I drive a car, and I ride a motorcycle. And motorcycle, he was saying that the law levels the playing field between uh, automobile drivers and bicycles because bicycles are vulnerable and uh, automobiles are, you know, capable of doing a lot more damage. The uh, motorcycle riders are just as vulnerable as bicycle riders. And uh, so I think that 
if we really want to level the playing field, those same um, things should be extended to motorcycle riders uh, that are benefiting bicycle riders. Thank you very much. And we did have many calls from cyclists sharing stories of being pushed out of lanes by cars on Pacific Coast Highway, by parking enforcement officers, and by generally aggressive and rude drivers. We want to thank all of you who called into our Here in the City hotline. The number is 213-394-5468. At the end of today's show, we'll have a new question for our listeners to answer, and we will post that question also on our website here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. On past episodes of Here in the City, we've covered the rich history of muralism in Los Angeles from the perspective of censorship and recent museum shows on the topic. This week, senior producer Luis Sierra Campos takes us on a walk along the cement channels that serve as the canvas for Los Angeles's great mural on the Tujunga Wash of the Los Angeles River. The mural, painted in 1976 by more than 400 high school students and artists, is being restored this year under the guidance of Judy Baca, well-known muralist and founder of SPARC, the Social and Public Art Resource Center. My name is Judy Baca, and we are at the Great Wall of Los Angeles in the Tahunga Wash. Um, We are at the very beginning segment of a half a mile of mural, uh, on the ethnic history of California, which looks for the uh, and depicts the contributions uh, of various uh, ethnic groups in, in California history. So, right where we are right now, as we're standing, we're we're rolling along here in our little golf cart in front of um, the prehistoric California, which goes back twenty thousand years uh, before civilization or civilization as people think of it. Uh, when mastodons and saber-toothed tigers and uh, various animals and and indigenous life uh, was here in this region. So this segment is actually, um, uh, was a kind of interesting problem for us because as we began to research it in 1976, um, we realized that most of the plants that are living in this area and most of the trees are not indigenous. (laughs) All of the stuff has been imported. And so we tried to depict um, the arrival of the first peoples coming across the Bering Straits, uh, some of the original housing, which was for the Chumash, that that was actually a very, very large population of indigenous people in this region. Some estimated 500,000 native people lived in this region at that time, uh, you know, during um, early California. Uh, And the relationship between the indigenous and the... um, sea life and wildlife is, is depicted in the imagery. What we're working on here is a massive restoration, uh, the largest restoration in the country um, for an outdoor mural uh, that spans 2,740 feet and over 30 years of, um, of work by over 400 kids. Uh, at m- many In this first section, at-risk kids, 80 of them produced this section in a nine-week period, each working on a 100-foot section with a different artist. Um, in the second half of the mural, we'll see a transformation as we 
actually refined the process and created a better and better mural as we went along. Uh, but today, uh, muralists are spread out over the whole length of the, the, of the half a mile of mural um, as they are restoring and recovering segments of the, uh, of the piece, that, uh, some, some of which are 35 years old mm. and have been subject to the sun and to the, the wiles of the Los Angeles um, River or what once was the river. Um, during the flood season, uh, this area fills with water. And so the mural gets washed, right. um, and it does go underwater at certain times of the year. Uh, it's remarkable, actually, how well the paint is held up. And it really sort of um, belies the idea that painted outdoor murals on concrete are impermanent. As we restore this and treat it with um, um, a, a clear coating that will actually reattach the mural, we're looking at probably another 35 years of life. Um, so what's really exciting about this moment is that we're being able to see the fading colors and chipping colors come back to full vibrancy. And as we go along the segments of the mural, we'll see pieces done in different years. Every two years we were doing another 350 feet on a different decade of, of uh, California history. Um, the, the Great Wall is known for its work with uh, at-risk youth and uh, with young people of this region. Uh, it's a, um, an interracial piece, and part of its um, major work was bringing the different ethnic groups of Los Angeles together uh, to produce one work that represented um, the contributions that were little known in American history. So it's actually an alternative history uh, of the contributions of various uh, ethnic groups uh, to the building of the state and of the country. So sometimes they're world events and sometimes they're uh, very specifically how our world event affected a local uh, situation. As we moved down the Tahanga Wash, I spoke to two artists who were restoring the mural to its original vibrant colors. I'm Sonia Fay, and we're at the Great Wall in North Hollywood. And what do you do right now, Sonia? I'm just restoring the mural with all the other artists. What particular panel is this? Um, this is the... The Great Depression. Uh-huh. And can you can you explain to me like what's the images? You know, what do we see? Because you know, radio we can't we can't see it. But if you can describe it, homeless people or workers, people who are out of work, uh, warming themselves up in front of a a barrel, which was a normal everyday scene back in the Great Depression, and they're just staying warm. They probably live outside, and they have a crate here selling apples, and it's just poor people, like what's going on today, and uh. uh or just trying to survive. Do you think that the the image that you're painting is, has significance to what's happening today? It's the same thing. Really? The exact same thing. I think it's even worse now. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the Roman Empire lasts for 200 years, and they say that every empire more or less falls after 200. Well, the United States is longer than that, is older than 200, and we're falling apart, and we've already fallen. Everywhere you go, you see homeless people. The rents are too freaking high. I don't know why they're that high. And people are just suffering everywhere. What do you think the significance of this mural is going to have to the community of California, especially of L.A.? Deep question. (laughs) (laughs) What? Well, you know, it brings out history that people are, are no longer aware of, don't care. And this makes you see it every day. Every time you walk by here, you are forced to see it. It makes you think. My name is Carlos Callejo, and I'm originally born in El Paso, Texas, but 
living in L.A. for since I was nine years old. Um, I know that um, Judy told me that you were part of the initial artists who did it in the 1970s. Um, what did you learn then that you're applying to now and your own practice as an artist? Uh, I think it was my starting point in some ways. Um, uh, so it sort of uh, gave me the motiv- motivation uh, to continue. And, and through this, not only was I able to gather certain effective techniques, not just on the art techniques, but again, uh, I'll stress again, on uh, the methodology of how to make something effective and worthwhile and um, you know so so as you as you mature as a, uh, as you mature as an art, a public art artist you not only do you apply what you learn but every every project that I've done sort of manifests itself and and uh, there's formulas of how best to approach so it's sort of like the starting point so for me it has a, a great significance This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the City dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. We've been listening to stories of the restoration of Los Angeles's great mural. Producer Luisia Racampos asked artist Judy Baca about one of the panels depicting the first lesbian rights organization in the United States, which was formed in San Francisco in 1955 and is part of the story in that mural. Uh, the Daughters of Belitis um, organizing the call around their kitchen table. The police are poking their noses in the closet. But people don't really realize that up until the 1950s, if you were solicited, let's say, for a bar, like a man would go to a bar and somebody solicited you, and it happened to be a cop, which was legal for them to do, um, you would end up in in jail. You would end up registered as a pervert, and you would be denied jobs because of that, and had to re-register as you traveled, moved around the city. So this is actually a really important segment about... Uh, Harry Hayes's early work in the um, Mattachin Society, that's why they're wearing the masks, because that's from the ancient uh, dancers. Uh, behind the mask they are themselves, looking in a mirror with a different dream. The vice trap is made like a big uh, mousetrap. Um, the character that connects us to a segment on Einstein is Allen Ginsberg, who is a poet yep. um, who is here performing at the West, Venice West Cafe, and um, he's reading his uh, Howl, or one of his famous pieces. Um, and the garment industry, uh, which is, you know, sewing a, uh, a Jewish prayer shawl, is turning into the reels of the um, um, film industry. because And it's a Jewish star in the film industry, because really the venture capital 
from the sportswear, California sportswear, became some of the early monies that developed um, Samuel Goldwyn and some of the early um, film companies in, in, in Los Angeles. Einstein ran for mayor of Pasadena in the, 20, in this, in the 50s. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, we found this whole thing about him, uh, you know, uh, here in Los Angeles. And um, he said, if I would have known what they would have done with my invention, I would have rather been a farmer. So this is the swords being broken uh, like an Escher painting, because Escher was prominent in the 50s, um, into plowshares. It really took us a long time to figure that one out. Swords into plowshares, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Meantime, this was the end of the Indian assimilation movement, but for... Um, years uh, uh, there had been the boarding school movement was still in place in the 1950s really shocking in which native people were taken away from their homes for up to four years a a child would be sent to a boarding school to be assimilated so that they would become non-Indians and that they would become Americans and uh, so this is the BIA cutting the hair of a young man and um, burning his clothes and putting him in the boarding school that's important because our prominent figure at the end is Billy Mills, who was one of those kids. And in 1984, the Olympics was here in Los Angeles, and we produced a work on the Olympics looking at incredible f- figures who came against great adversity to become Olympic champions. And Billy Mills was a Dakota Sioux, trained in a boarding school, who ran barefoot through the Dakota Mountains um, and um, won the gold medal. Um, and he came to speak to the kids, and he was really inspirational, telling them that the reason he won the gold medal was that every time he looked up into the stands, he saw Dakota. And he said there were either the entire ancestral nation was there that day, or spirits came to tell him that he could run faster than he ever thought. And he broke all of his times, and he won the gold medal. Uh, Wilma, Rodolph, uh, Wilma Rudolph was known as the gazelle, and she had rheumatic fever and couldn't walk until she was eight. Uh, Sammy Lee couldn't find a trainer so he could he was a great diver and as he told us when he finally found a diver they said we're going to make him the best damn Jap diver there ever was and he was Korean <laughs> and uh, Vicky Manalo Draves uh, was denied access to pools here in the San Fernando Valley because they didn't allow Filipinos so these are great champions uh, that were models for the kids and this figure carries into the future the civil right act, uh, rights activism that will be happening in the 60s that will be coming down this side of the mural. Mm. So our future plans include 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and a new generation of mural painters doing interpretation of uh, California history and American history. Uh, again, looking for the unknown stories and the great uh, people, not just heroes, but extraordinary, ordinary people. Extraordinary Ordinary People is what the new generation of muralists will hope to convey in the next phase of this grand work. Sparks also hopes to use recycled materials from the LA River to construct a green interpretive bridge that will connect two communities separated by the Tahanga Wash. And what's exciting about it is that it will be the first time that we're making a relationship between the history of the river and the history of the people. Um, Because, of course, they are very related. Social justice and environmental justice are um, uh, inextricably tied. So um, we'll be using most common debris, which is shopping carts and water bottles and um, plastics and things that end up in the river going into the uh, uh, Santa Monica Bay. 
uh, in the uh, cementitious material that will be uh, a 90-foot expanse that will come over the channel and connect two neighborhoods that have been disconnected for many years now because um, there is no bridge between the two schools and the neighborhood on the opposite side of the channel. People have to walk around a mile uh, to be able to get from one side of the street to the other. If you would like more information on the largest monument to interracial harmony in the United States, please visit our website for more information. For Here in the City, I'm Luis Sierra Campos. We'll have links to resources about the Los Angeles River and images from the Great Mural on our website, Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And one more tidbit to pick up from last week's Here in the City. Experimental animator and music composer Jody Mack screened her short handmade films during this Sunday's Los Angeles Film Forum screening at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. During a break in the film program, Miss Mack requested that the audience do what is generally considered gauche or even unthinkable in a movie theater. She asked everyone to turn on their cell phones and run through the selection of ringtones as the lights went down and the 16-millimeter projector started up. Here in the City Arts Editor Jesse Lerner caught up with Joni Mack in the lobby of the theater after the performance and asked her why she chose to incorporate the cell phone into the movie theater experience. The performative aspect of the film changes from screening to screening. Other times we ask people to make noises, the noises of computers and technology, and have found in the past that people aren't that comfortable with that. Um, But the film is trying to speak between the relationship between uh, old and new media. I feel like the, um, the... popularity of new media or what is going on with computer and new media is somewhat of a cinema of attractions number two Um, and I wonder you know if our obsession with technology and bigger better faster stronger is exactly the right way Um, and also that the way that we view things these days is so um, fragmented watching things on the internet and having multiple tabs open or watching something on the internet while the television is still on, etc. So I'm just, with the cell phones, trying to speak to um, the division of attention that comes comes along with uh, spectatorship these days. And we've all probably had that experience where you're sitting in the movie theater and really absorbed in something that's happening on the screen and then some idiot that's in the row behind you doesn't didn't turn off their cell phone or didn't put it on vibrate and they pull you out of that moment, right? Right, sure. So this is just sort of allowing people to let that happen or to make it happen on purpose, maybe to get it out of their system before the next time. So they'll just turn it off. Now, one of the pieces you show tonight, it's one of the more recent ones that seems like it's not only the longest, but in some ways the most ambitious one. Yard work is hard work seems like it's kind of a departure in that there's a narrative and it's a musical and it seems like it's referencing some more traditional uh, cinematic uh, forms. Sure. Well, as an abstract animator, um, 
I often wonder about the audience for my work and how accessible it can be. Um, and so my idea for making yard work is hard work was to try and make you know a straightforward narrative while implementing some experimental visual techniques so the characters aren't made out of the same cutouts for example they're rapidly changing all the time and so are the backgrounds and things like that so I'm trying to draw attention between the imagery and the sound I don't know if it quite comes out um, but that was my intention and it also seems like it's maybe different from the other films that we saw in that the social or political critique is more explicit. Sure. Um, I think in that film it's it's almost like a, a pastiche of a socially critical film or the way a musical would treat um, political action. So one musical that I looked at a lot uh, when figuring everything out was The Pajama Game where they're dealing a lot with um, labor relations where, um, you know, it's totally kitschy and gimmicky, but they're talking about real things, unionizing, etc. Um, so I just tried to make it a little quirky, a little fun. Everything's in a major key while still tackling these issues in a sort of cynical way. And there's also a, a recurring theme in your work with fabrics and animating fabrics and creating these optical patterns or almost sort of moiré type effects using um, off-the-shelf common fabrics that you'd find in anybody's closet. My idea behind that is that, you know, I'm really interested in abstract art and abstract cinema, but I feel like the general public doesn't necessarily latch on to it in the same way. They latch on to things like plaid shirts or plaid boxer shorts or striped shower curtains. So I'm really trying to draw a parallel between abstraction and graphic design um, that functions in our everyday. Indeed, graphic design functions in our everyday. Here in Los Angeles, I sometimes feel like billboard images are more present than any other sort of visual design in our everyday experience. It's a distraction while in traffic, just like cell phones are, although they shouldn't be, according to California state law. Since we enjoyed hearing from our audience this past week, here's another question we have to ask from all of you. In your opinion, what is the biggest distraction for drivers in Los Angeles? You can call us on our Here in the City message line, 213-394-5468. That's 213 213- We will have Facebook and email contacts on our website with the question as well. Here in the city, that's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And our question is, in your opinion, what is the biggest distraction for drivers in Los Angeles? And that's it for Here in the City today. Special thanks to Jesse Lerner, Luis Sierra Campos, Tandisizwe Shimurenga, Daniela Gerson, Sabiha Khan, Albert Chacon, Rachel Salmon, Will Coley, Holly Harper, Karen Ness, and to you, our listeners. We will be back next week with more radio realities from the urban landscape. Until then, you can find us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.